find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. We are the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes like serial killers and the random one-off murder. We will tell you about bizarre occurrences like alien abductions and monsters in the dark. And we just might get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. At the very end of every show, we like to lighten things up and cleanse the palate from the tragic and terrifying stories. So we end our time with a chaser. You might get to hear crazy stories about our pets or just silly movie recommendations. Give us a listen. We are the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Don't Identify Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Haley. This episode is a special one because I have selected four active DNA Doe Project cases I specifically chose some that have not been fully funded except for one, so that way we can make the biggest impact possible with this podcast. If you're able to, you can donate to them directly on their website. I will link their individual cases in my episode show notes, and I will be sending them all of my advertising proceeds for this episode and divide it equally across the three unfunded cases. They don't know I'm doing this. I just care so much about their mission, which I'm sure you all have heard me say before. So let's go ahead and get into the first case, which is the Smith County Jane Doe of 1985. On October 1st, 1985, a landscaping crew was working on Interstate 20 in Smith County, Texas, when they came across skeletal remains in a brush-filled gully. Before we get into who this woman was, let's chat about where she was located. Interstate 20 is one of the longest highways in the United States, spanning from very west Texas to 1,539 miles east to South Carolina. Smith County, Texas is in northeast Texas and includes the small city of Tyler, Texas and its surrounding smaller towns. The population of the county in 2020 was about 233,000 people. The vastness of Interstate 20 has made it very complicated to figure out this woman's identity and the identity of her killer. Now let's get into some of the evidence found around her body. She was wearing a yellow tank top with the Top Rail Country Music Dallas TX logo. The Doe Network reports this shirt was produced between 1984 and 1987. It looked into the shirt more, and it looks like this was a tavern with country dance music, also known to Southerners as a honky-tonk. It seems to have been very popular because there seems to be a Facebook group dedicated to remembering it. We did reach out to them to see if they recognized this shirt and I would love to send them the woman's sketch as well. I have not heard back yet, but if I do, I will make sure to send it their way and update this episode if they're able to kind of nail down a time frame or if it actually is from that former bar. 
So Interstate 20 does go through both Fort Worth and Dallas, Texas. If you're not from the area, um, both of these cities are very, very close together. So they do share a lot of like bars, radio stations, kind of things like that. It's important to note that it goes through both of these major cities and these cities have very, very massive populations, even back in the day. So it would make sense that she's from the Metroplex with this t-shirt and with Interstate 20 going through these cities all the way through Tyler, Texas. This can definitely narrow down where she could be from if needed. She was found in white Dickies brand shorts and canvas sandals. There are also photos of her butterfly earring she was found with and a gold pulsar watch. This young woman was just 20 to 25 years old and was between the heights of 5 feet tall and 5'4 and likely weighed less than 130 pounds. At the time of her death, she had a reddish-brown ponytail in her hair. Her race is listed as white on all of the sources that I used for this episode, but she also could have been Indian or of Polynesian descent. She probably has a bit of a combination and that's why that they all listed her as white but made that note in particular. The medical examiner believes she passed away between 12 and 15 months before she was found. There isn't evidence of what caused her death, but because she was found in a brush off of a major interstate, it's likely her death was due to foul play. The funding goal for her case is just $1,349 at the time of recording this, and they only have $200. So if her case does touch you, maybe you even have been to that bar in the past, please consider donating to her cause. The DNA Doe Project is a nonprofit, so if you're in the United States, the donation is tax deductible. At least I'm pretty sure it is for everyone, unless you're like some type of special business or something. If you deal with chronic pain, muscle soreness, migraines, or menstrual cramps, I am so excited to share one of my favorite products with you. Jovi is a medicine-free way to erase discomfort by using nanocapacitors to change the way your nervous system processes pain. To put it simply, it absorbs pain and tells your brain to no longer feel pain in the area where you're holding the patch. Now, I know this sounds too good to be true, so Jovi offers a no questions asked 120-day money-back guarantee. All of my listeners love Jovi, and it's by far the most popular partnership I have. It makes me so excited for you guys. I personally use Jovi to combat the pain that comes with my endometriosis, and it has literally saved me from fainting multiple times, especially while driving, which is always great. So get rid of your pain today and invest in a Jovi patch that will last you through years of use. You can save 10% off your Jovi patch by using the code DOEIDENTIFY or by using the link in this episode's show notes. Let's move on to our second case, the Three Points John Doe of 1988. This case is in the pre-funding stage and their goal is almost $5,000. 
A partially buried garbage bag containing a young male was discovered in the remote desert of Arizona on April 5th, 1988. His body was almost completely decomposed and it's estimated he had been deceased for 10 to 16 months before he was discovered. The location where his body was found off of Valencia Road near Ryan Airfield in Pima County. Around this area are two different Native American reservations and Interstate 10. Interstate 10 is the fourth longest interstate in the U.S. at 2,460 miles long. It spans completely across the U.S. starting on the west side all the way to the east coast. Just like our first Jane Doe, this only further complicated figuring out who this John Doe could be and now we're relying on DNA. This young male was between the ages of 17 and 20 years old, likely on the younger side of that range. He had brown hair, which was three inches in length, and he was found with Levi's brand jeans, the style 701, and they were 30 by 32. He had them rolled up into cuffs at the bottoms, and I'm not seeing anything else about his clothing from my sources. Maybe that's all that he was found with. His cause of death is also unknown, unfortunately, kind of fortunately, it would be great to have just another clue as to who he could be or why he was placed into this horrible trash bag at the end of his life. Something very unique about this young man is that he had an extra left rib, which could have caused him some pain in his life. He likely thought it was a pinched nerve if he didn't know that he did have an extra rib for whatever reason. I want to point out that the rendering of this young man features his nose as being very crooked, but there isn't any note of it being broken. I'm not sure if maybe like the nose on this the skeleton was maybe cracked a little bit and so they're wondering if he did have a crooked nose of some sort due to it being broken. I have no idea, there's no note of it that I could find. Otherwise, that's all we currently have on his case, but I know the DNA Doe Project will figure out more information very, very soon. Thank you so much to Nix for continuing to partner with me for my podcast. If you don't know what Nix is, it's a company that has absolutely everything you need so you can be comfortable on an everyday basis in your loungewear no matter what you're doing. Let's be honest, most bras are super uncomfortable and have sharp underwires that just do not allow you to relax at all whatsoever. What's so special about Nix is that they have no underwires in any of their bras, all of their straps are completely adjustable, and then they also have at least three to four rows of extender hooks in the back. They have completely changed the game for bras and loungewear, and I myself have five NYX bras, and I absolutely love every single one. Something else I love about NYX is their accurate representation of models on their website. You will have to see for yourself, but everyone is a real human on their website, and they're not perfect models that have been photoshopped for hours on end, and I just appreciate that so much. If you want $15 off your most comfortable bra ever, use the link in my show notes and go ahead and spoil yourself and get something that you will feel confident in. Thank you so much to NYX for always working with me. It is an absolute pleasure. The third and 
fourth cases are going to be very quick because there's hardly any information on them and there's not even any renderings. For the pond Jane Doe, a woman turned in a human skull to the New Hampshire State Police. She reported that her husband, who had passed away, found it in the 1930s and he kept it his entire life. All we know is that it belonged to a woman and she was between the ages of 15 and 18 years old. I guess they did some bomb pulse testing and the skull is definitely older than 1942, which matches the woman's story. Her DNA testing will take $4,462 to complete and it doesn't look like there's much funding for it yet. Now the fourth doe I'm going to cover isn't exactly related to the pond Jane Doe, but they are often discussed together for obvious reasons. The little lost Seabrook doe is the name of an unidentified human skull that the New Hampshire police seized from a business. The business owners claimed they got the skull as a gift from someone who got it in New York. According to the forensic anthropologist, the skull had been outside for a while before it had been discovered. The skull likely belonged to a young girl between the ages of seven and nine years old, and she had likely died between two and 10 years prior. The cause of death is unknown, but her name is Paige says she could have been Greek and her teeth show evidence that she thankfully had good nutrition in her life and had proper dental care. This case has been fully funded by the AudioChuck team. If you're not aware of who they are, you've more than likely have heard of Crime Junkie and Park Predators. Those types of shows, those are all a part of the AudioChuck network and they fully fund so many DNA Doe Project cases, so that's just so amazing on their behalf. I really appreciate them for that. Two things before I go, I cannot believe I have to say this, but after these two cases, I want to say that if you ever find a skull and it has even the slightest chance of being human, please, please, please turn it into a local police department if you're worried about it, just pick it up with something like a plastic bag or maybe like a jacket or a shirt so you don't get your direct DNA or fingerprints on it and in order to protect any evidence. I would have hoped that people knew this and that they didn't give human skulls as gifts to each other. I'm not trying to sound judgmental, but that is crazy to me that people just like hold on to human skulls. It's really scary to think about. But yes, human skulls are not gifts. They are evidence of foul play or maybe even some missing people that, you know, had really terrible circumstances out in the woods or something. I don't know, but they are in fact evidence of something wrong happening. So please turn them in to your local police department. Now, the real last thing is if you are a longtime listener, you will remember my pleads to opt into GEDmatch. If you're a new listener, you likely haven't heard me talk about GEDmatch because they did change their terms of services. So let me back up a little bit. If you've ever done Ancestry or 23andMe, you will have received a text file of all of your little DNA. 
Essentially what happens, you get all of your, like, your fun information and your connections, but they will give you a little text file of a bunch of like really confusing stuff in it. I've actually looked at mine and it's super confusing, but they will give you a text file of your DNA and there is a company or a website called GEDmatch. And GEDmatch is a database that law enforcement officials have access to, as well as these like DNA Doe Project and the other kind of forensic researching facilities and companies. They will use GEDmatch in particular to make connections with Jane and John Doe's. So when you hear me say things like the DNA Doe Project has only been able to find this person's like fifth cousin or great, 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 great uncle, it's likely because those people are entered into GEDmatch, but their closer ancestors such as children, parents, first cousins have not entered their DNA into GEDmatch. It used to be that you have to opt into GEDmatch, but now they changed their terms of service and you don't have to opt in anymore. You just upload it and you're good to go. You never have to think about it. And you just have to hope that you never get a call or anything about a missing family member or a family member whose DNA was taken at a crime scene because they did something naughty. So my little plead is back here again. If you all have done your DNA before and sent it to these big companies, I'm one of those people that's like, whatever, I'll just send it to GEDmatch. I highly recommend doing that if you feel comfortable. You will be helping all of these different companies that research and put together family trees for these Jane and John Doe's as well as criminals whose DNA have been collected. I will link GEDmatch in my episode sources and in my episode show notes, so that way you guys can kind of like take a look at it and look at the terms of service, stuff like that. But anyways, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast episode. Again, please consider donating directly to the DNA Doe Project for a tax-deductible donation. Or if you have been eyeing any of my affiliates products, a lot of holidays are coming up or maybe birthdays, now is a great time to get those because I will be donating my proceeds to the three cases that are unfunded that I just covered. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Please don't forget to review my podcast so other people can listen to it and find it and send it to a friend or family member who could have been around at the time of these Jane and John Doe cases. It's never too late to get leads, even though their DNA is being researched. Bye. Listening to the Doe Identify podcast. This episode was researched and recorded by me. This episode was edited by G. Hamilton. Our episode's music is by Coma Media. Tune in next time to hear more cases about unidentified victims on your favorite listening platform. Join me on social media at the Doe Identify podcast for updates to chat about cases. See you next time.